This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 171, Impact. Hey friends, we're back again. This podcast is all about cultivating a good life through personal development and living your life with clear intention. We are your hosts, Becky Higgins and Becky Proudfit. We are so glad to have you here with us for today's episode where we are going to talk all about impact. Ooh, it's going to be good. I like it. Our impact, our unintended impact, all the impact all of us have in all the places. Okay, I like it. Let's go. All right, so let's get started. But first, let's hear a quick word from this week's sponsor. You've heard us share about our love for Shine Cosmetics for years now. They are an incredibly important part of the Cultivate a Good Life podcast. You've heard us talk about BB cream, fiber brow, eyeshadow, and of course, lip gloss. But as good as those things are, they aren't even our favorite thing about Shine. What we love about Shine is that they are fighting against the over-sexualization and objectifying of women in the cosmetics industry. The brand was born out of a desire to do better for our daughters than exposing them to product names that project a picture of womanhood that was anything but uplifting. Shine understands the power and influence of words. They name their products things like true, cultivate, fierce, strive, grounded, precious, and wonder. These are the kinds of words that truly empower women to shine. Do they have the best products? Yes, but they also represent something so much bigger than physical beauty. They stand for goodness and light, and those are the things that make it truly beautiful to be a woman. Learn more about Shine, their mission, and their incredible products by visiting shinecosmetics.com and use the code BECKY to get 10% off your order. Wow. Okay, I'm intrigued. Well, let me let me give a little context of where where this is all coming from. And and with these episodes, it's really more of like what's impressing us on our heart. Mm. And right now in our life, our son Jameson, mm-hmm. who has autism, started high school. Bless. What a glorious adventure <laughs> into high school. Oh, and man. I mean, maybe this is my experience, but this is my second child to enter high school. And freshman year is a little bit of a mixed bag. I don't know if that's been your experience, Heck but yeah. it's a little bit of an adjustment, a lot bit of an adjustment. Yep. And he has had some situations because Jameson, because he is, he does not have a learning disability, but he is also not neurotypical. He kind of falls in between this place of being like, quote, special needs and neurotypical. Right. And so he's in so these environments where he looks totally like everybody else. Mm-hmm. He intellectually is like everyone else, but there is deficit. And the way that he relates to the world is different. And we've been experiencing a little bit of like, him kind of falling between the cracks and feeling alone and all these things. And I share this because if you know Jameson, he would tell you all this in the first five minutes of meeting him. And we've been working with the school and we've kind of come to this conclusion that there, there are huge gaps in this impact experience where kids don't realize the impact they're having on each other. And, and what do we do about it? Right? Mm-hmm. Like what in the world do we do about it? Besides like canceling everyone, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so it got me thinking about just impact, the impact that we have on each other's lives. And there's this great quote from Jane Goodall, who's the gorilla lady, 
right? She was the one that like lived with the gorillas. Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh no, not at all. So she like, she like lived with the gorillas and like studied gorillas and has started all these. I'm probably saying that not totally like correctly, but, but that's generally, she had to do with gorillas and living with gorillas. (laughs) Sure. There's a documentary. And she said, you cannot get through a single day without having an impact on the world around you. What you do makes a difference and you have to decide what kind of difference you want to make. Mm-hmm. And I loved that because we all have impact on each other, right? We talk about spheres of influence. It's really just what kind of influence you want to have. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're all impacting people positively and negatively. There is no neutral impact, mm-hmm. right? It's either positive or negative. Mm-hmm. And, and what we kind of do with all of this, right? So I wanted to give some quick stats as I've been diving into this, kind of figuring out like, well, what the heck do we do? Okay, so... The ages for kids, especially teens, most likely to have major depression and anxiety episodes, this surprised me, is 11 to 17. Oh, yeah. 11 seems Mm. young Mm -hmm. for that, right? This was the part that really hit me, okay? Increased risk factors Mm -hmm. for depression, anxiety, which, I mean, I can give you the stats, but we all know depression, anxiety is like an epidemic. Like yes, it's, it really is. It's, it's running rampant through the world, the world, but particularly this youth population. Correct. Okay. So here are increased risk factors being female, hmm. having, being a gender minority. So hmm. if you're a group and you're a gender minority, teens with two or more racial identities, mm-hmm. LGBTQ youth. Mm-hmm. And then I will add on it was not part of the study, but I'm hundred percent confident this could be added to the list is youth that aren't neurotypical. Mm-hmm. So basically that list is like anyone who has any defining characteristic that's separate from cultural norm, yeah. essentially yep. has major increased risk of depression and anxiety. Yep. So what do we do? I talked about this. I did this, um, thing on Instagram where it was like conversations from my porch swing. Cause each morning, one of the things <laughs> I've been it. doing is sitting out on my porch swing and just like intentionally not doing anything and just sitting and thinking and pondering. And this was one of the conversations we had is what do we do? What do we do to help teach children and ourselves about the impact we have on each other's lives? Did you get a solution out of that experience? I mean, I mean, <laughs> well, no, I had lots of reach out and I actually had a lot of reach out from teachers hmm. who are like, I have this situation happen in my classroom all the time and I'm not sure what to do hmm. because there has to be something between punitive situations like expelling a kid or suspending a kid. And there has to be a more proactive way to be teaching this. And I think for me, I have to first look at myself and saying, okay, well, I have children that are not neurotypical and neurotypical. Am I teaching this principle in my house? Mm. How do I teach this principle? And am I teaching this principle in my house? So what do you think, Beck? I'm stuck on something you said earlier, actually. Let's hear it. I don't feel like I'm, I don't think I'm prepared to, to tell you something really valuable with the latter part of what you're asking. But earlier you were talking about like what is the impact we want to have? Mm-hmm. And I immediately thought of something that I wanted to read, but then you went on to, to talking about how do we teach other we'll people. We'll start there. Let's hear it. Okay. It might feel unrelated though. That's okay. I mean, 
Is that cool? It'll impact my life, I'm sure. It, it will. It will. You may or may not have seen this. So just pretend you haven't. Okay. 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 Um, this is an Instagram post by Bonnie H. Corden, um, who is a wonderful, wonderful woman who is super inspired. And this is what she shared. It's a picture of her um, in making glass, like in mm-hmm. a glass experience. And she says, is glass a liquid or a solid? I was amazed to learn from a gaffer, a glass blower, that if you could look at glass through a microscope, you'd see the molecules of the glass are arranged irregularly, and that makes it a liquid. But you can also say the glass is solid just by looking at it. Therefore, scientists decided it's both, and I think I love that. I want to be glass. I want to be so solid that people know that I am just by looking at me. I want to be so transparent, like glass, so that instead of seeing me, they can see Christ through me. I want to be liquid, easily flowing to wherever I am needed. I want to be shapeable so that when the heat comes and the winds begin to blow, I can be transformed into whatever the master is making me into. I want to be glass and I want him to be my gaffer. Hmm. I, I had read that. I love it. That's the impact that I hope that I can have. That's what I am working toward. I just don't know how to answer the, the, mm-hmm. the second question you were leading to, which is how do you teach that? How do you teach other others, your children mm-hmm. or those in your sphere of influence, how to be more intentional about the impact that they have on other people? I don't know. I think first is helping helping really instill this value of people understanding that there is no neutral, that the impact of their existence and the way the things they do and say is positive or negative. There is no neutral impact. And so just understanding that, that there is no hiding in the shadows or no one's noticing. I have this talk with my 12 year old all the time. Yeah. Tell me what you shared with me about, uh, or share what you shared with me about Lucy. Remember the conversation the other day? Lucy is one of those natural born leaders. And I'm constantly trying to explain to her that she is a leader that is whether her or gift. not she wants whether or not she wants to <laughs> right? is irrelevant because people are going to follow her. The question is, is where is she going to lead them? Right. And she doesn't get to choose to not be a leader because it's just who she is. Yeah. It's just who she is. Mm-hmm. And so I think helping kids understand that, that they're that, that what they do and say and how they act is vitally important. And I think we kind of have to like deconstruct it a little bit because I love what she is saying about glass. I read that and I was like, that is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And we feel the truthfulness of that huge articulate thought. Mm -hmm. But what does that actually mean when we break it down into our interactions and not how we interact with the world, but how we interact with like one-on-one individuals. Mm. That's something I think a lot about is like, if we go to church, if we profess our faith in God, if we love Christ, if we serve at a soup kitchen, if we do all this stuff, but the way that we treat our fellow man, particularly the ones who are different or people who might be um, confusing to us or harder to love or whatever. Or in the margins in any way. In the margins in any way, which let's be honest, we all are in the margins in some way, Mm -hmm. right? Those interactions show our true character. And we can do all the service and all the church attendance and all the everything but if we haven't foundationally mastered how to treat our fellow man, like all of that is for naught. Mm-hmm. We're not getting it. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I so agree with that. And that is the constant work mm-hmm. of 
life. Totally. <laughs> We're, I feel like so many of us, I, certainly everyone in this community who cares about cultivating a good life, right? That is the goal. We're trying to like progressively get better and better and better. Mm. That's the point, right? Yeah. And yet we're always going to mess up. We're going to keep staying flawed and that's fine. But are we 1% better than we were maybe yesterday? Yes. Well, and understanding that we're all flawed. And I think particularly when we're talking about kids, because this does, I mean, if we, if we do this correctly, like these lessons begin as children and hopefully these are not adult problems our children will have. But I think that as parents, we need to develop the emotional resilience of being not okay when our kids mess up, but understanding that that messing up is part of the process. So mm-hmm. for instance, talking to my son's school, who by the way, we love so much and they're doing, they, we are trying to innovate together to figure this out, not just for Jameson, but for every child who's in the margins. So awesome. Collaborative effort. That's what it should right? be. Yes. And it's hard because we're constantly saying, we do not want this to be a punitive thing. These are developing children. And I choose to believe that humanity is good. And I choose to believe that if children, my own included, are acting in a certain way, it's because they don't have the knowledge or tools they need. So Mm. how do we give them the knowledge or tools rather than labeling it like, oh, you're a bad kid or you're a bully? If I'm being honest, I think the term bully is really overused because anytime a child is unkind, what they're kids, they're unkind, you know, here and there, they're developing, right? We have to be okay with that. And we have to be okay as parents rather than like letting our defensiveness rush in and be like, well, let me explain to you what that child did. Or let me explain to you what happened so that you understand that my child's not bad. What we're really saying is let me defend my child so that I don't feel bad about myself, about who I am as a parent. Like Mm. let's just give everyone permission to develop at their own pace and work on innovating tools, Mm. making the assumption that that's what people need rather than having flawed character. Mm-hmm. So the other solution that someone in my community, um, we were talking back and forth, is is getting curious. We've talked about this before on the podcast, but um, my friend Heidi um, had a situation happen with her son at school, and a teacher pulled the kids aside who were intentionally or unintentionally being unkind. And that teacher asked those students a few questions, like, have you noticed that this student is a little bit different? And get more detailed. Like, what do you think it's like to be him? What do you think their weekends look like? Do you think they get invited to a lot of birthday parties? Mm. Do you see that person surrounded by a lot of friends? Right? Mm. What do you think their family situation might be like? Just essentially unlocking that curiosity Mm -hmm. of like, what would it be like to walk in that person's shoes? And this is something we can practice as an adult, right, with each other as we're trying to teach our kids this principle. And then once we have an understanding of, like, what it might be like to be that person, I think our humanity, the good parts of our humanity take over and understand that we can make a positive impact. And so something I know that would be really helpful for my son right now would be for someone to have a sense of stewardship over them, to say, to empower our kids to say, look for the kids who are eating alone. Look for the people who seem like they're on the fringe. Look for the people who are burying their head or putting a hood up or, or just kind of trying to disappear in the shadows. Mm. Look for those people, you know, whether or not that's comfortable 
is irrelevant. Like that is what needs to happen so that we don't fall on the margins. I feel like this is what we can do as parents to kind of help that depression and anxiety epidemic. I love that. Because and it's so many people are feeling it. I love that so much because think about who benefits if we help our kids with that. Does the kid who's in the corner or putting their hood up or mm-hmm. regressing physically, like kind of pulling back right. from the group, do they benefit if someone's reaching out? Of course. But think about the person who's doing the reaching out mm-hmm. and how empowered they feel by... Absolutely. I mean, they may be rejected. And let me say that. Totally. There is the possibility that in your own reach out or your child's reach out that you are rejected. It's okay. That's going to totally be uncomfortable. Fine. That doesn't mean you stop Well, crying. and that rejection, especially for someone who may have like PTSD from mm-hmm. previous, that reach out will still have impact. It will still have impact oh, even my. if it doesn't look into like everyone coming together and folded into a hug. I so agree. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because it's really, I think there's a lot of people right now falling in between the cracks. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. sometimes we don't realize it or we, we don't look up enough because looking at people who are suffering, who are different, who are visibly retracting is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because we can feel that there's something we should do and we know that that's going to be uncomfortable to do. Can I add to that with something yeah. that's pretty vulnerable? I, and I think we can all relate to this, but the season that I've been in recently and my deep, deep, deep despair, which turned into like deep, deep, deep learning, which turned into mu- I'm in a much better place now because of all of the learning and the love has increased tenfold and all of these beautiful things. When I'm in that deep, dark place of just like what is happening and this is so hard and that is not when I'm good about reaching out to other people. Mm-hmm. I'm the worst at it. And I'm right. a really loving person. I love to take care of people. I love to be that person that reaches out. I love to be the one that serves and does and thinks of people and reaches out at random moments when they're not expecting it, et cetera, et cetera. When I'm in those darker places, that's not my strength. Mm. You know what would have helped me is if I were maybe better about reaching out to other people and getting out of my own muck mm. to... Think about the person who could have used my lifting. Does that make sense? And so I think that's another piece of it is there are times and seasons. Like I I honor that. Like that's not, I'm not even saying that I should have done it differently, but I just know from experience that there have been times where I was struggling and I did reach out and it totally lifted me. Yeah, It It lifted me to where I needed to be in a better place. And Mm -hmm. that's because that's what service does. And when I say service, I don't mean raking someone's leaves. It doesn't have to look like physical service, Mm -hmm. but just means seeing someone. Yes. Yes. Just seeing and acknowledging someone, just that simple act of like, I see you. Just that can mm-hmm. literally save people's lives. I agree. And I'm not being dramatic when I say that. No, I totally agree. At I, this I've point, had a couple people reach out to yes. me this year who are like, I just want you to know I see you. Mm. That's it. And I know that's a term that's a little buzzy. Right. A little bit. But like yeah. I felt seen. I yeah. felt it. I needed it. And I didn't even know I needed it. So, you know, is it... Marjorie Hinckley, who said, never suppress a generous thought. Like, mm-hmm. if you feel impressed, I hope that's the right person. Am I crediting it right? We'll put the quote yes. in the show notes. We'll I think it's the- Marjorie Bankley and then Henry B. Eyring, I think, quoted her okay. on that, too. That is so true. Mm-hmm. If no matter where you are, if you're in a, a deep, dark place, or you're doing fine, or you're an autopilot, or you're struggling through something, like, if you have the generous thought, 
to reach out to the person so that they feel mm-hmm. seen or send the text or give the hug or smile at the person, why would you not do that? Just mm-hmm. act on it, right? Totally. Well, I'm sorry, you were going to say something. No, I'm, I'm just thinking about how this relates to kids because I think as we model that, um, if I'm being honest, like it is so much easier for me to like make cookies for someone mm. than it is for me to just be go up to them and and genuinely try to get to know them. Absolutely. It's easier to do certain kinds of reach out than others. And I totally agree with that. With kids, I mean, guys, we cannot get this wrong. We simply can't get it wrong. What do you mean? We, we can't, can't get we what cannot wrong. we cannot let this continue is mm-hmm. what I mean. And I think that's what I'm feeling as a parent is like we need to come together as the human race to be one, giving each other the benefit of the doubt, two, practicing curiosity so that we can truly begin to put ourselves in others' shoes to kind of cancel out cancel culture. It seems like right now any differences or any mistakes or anything, it's canceled. It's cut out of life. That is not going to heal humanity. It's not the solution. And people are going to suffer. I'm, I'm probably right. I don't know that I'm right, but I'm assuming I'm right that at this point, we probably all have a few degrees of separation between us and someone who's taken their own life. Mm. Yeah. That yes. kind of feels like the reality. I know for yeah. sure that no, is that a reality right. in our life. Yeah. A hundred percent. We cannot treat each other as invisible beings and doing all these outward signs of service doesn't actually matter unless we change how we treat each other. I have a really good book to recommend and I think you may have read it. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I hope I'm getting the right book. So when we went through the Anasazi experience, which we talked about in the rethinking episode, Mm -hmm. um, David and I, as parents, uh, were given lots of assignments and readings and things like that. One of the books that we were assigned to read is called The Anatomy of Peace. I think you guys read it, right? Oh, I totally read okay. it. Yes. So, so correct good. me if I'm wrong if this was in that, because I literally, I read so much. You guys, mm-hmm. my my consumption of books <laughs> and podcasts yeah. and all the things this year has been through the roof more than I think every other year of my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the whole principle is seeing people as people, not Mm. as objects. And you might think, I don't see people as objects. Mm -hmm. I would never look at someone uh, and think of them as an object. I would think that way until I did all this learning and I was like, oh, I totally felt like that person was an obstacle Mm -hmm. or a hindrance or annoying or in the way or, 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 right? Like we just do that. Or even like a stepping stone. A stepping stone. Or even like a definition, right? Mm -hmm. About like there's positive and negative. That's right. And so instead of objectifying any of Mm -hmm. it, instead of seeing other people for those things, which only happens subconsciously, it's not like any of us looks at another person and says, that person's a roadblock in my life. Right. But I'm that's going to objectify do. you and define right. you by how you only interact in my existence. And exactly. That's right. Exactly. Um, but the whole idea is to see people truly as people. And I'm telling you, mm-hmm. if it's not Anatomy of Peace, it's another book. I'll it's find the outward. Con- so outward I think mindset. It, I think it is an outward mindset. It is outward mindset. Yeah. Thank you. Both of them are excellent reads. They're both by the Arbinger Institute, mm-hmm. which has a library of just amazing 
life books. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you got to read them. Thank you. It is outward mindset. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it really will change the way you, I literally, when I read the book, I looked at my landscaper differently. I looked at the store clerk differently. Mm-hmm. I looked at the person at UPS store differently. I just looked at everyone around me differently, not just the people within my walls, right? Not just my most important relationships. It's life changing. Mm-hmm. The point, see people for people. That is part of the solution that you're Absolutely. talking about. And so let's break that down really fast. Mm-hmm. How do we, because honestly, I find that when I think about how to teach something to my kids, I'm really teaching myself because we all need oh, to go yeah. back to the basics. So how do we teach, how do we teach each other, our children, whatever, to see each other as human beings, as people rather than objects? I mean, I would go back to just a simple question of, I wonder what their life is like. Mm-hmm. I would probably ask the question of think about your day and think about someone that really ticked you off today or really annoyed mm-hmm. you. I would kind of, I would probably take that angle of like yeah. putting it in real, real time right. of someone who's currently bugging you and starting to help spell out how that's objectifying that person instead of seeing them for who they are as a mm-hmm. person. Um, and yeah, I like, I like both of these things that we're talking yeah. about. Cause then it, if I were to take that angle, I would go right into what you're saying, which is what, what do you think that person's life is like at home? Mm-hmm. And, and not with judgment. That's not the point. It's more like thinking about them. Or thinking about, you know, one thing that my friend brought up is, is to say, to remember that that is someone's child. Mm-hmm. That is someone's brother or sister. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That so there are people that love this human being. Mm-hmm. They're part of a circle of love. Mm-hmm. And it helps... It helps to see, again, it helps to humanize the situation. It does. And and also very top of mind because uh, we just sent Porter to Argentina and he is now in a land of knowing not a soul, mm-hmm. literally surrounded by people he's never known before, um, not in his native language. And I think about how he's being treated Mm. by strangers. And it makes me think differently about the strangers that I see. Cause mm-hmm. I picture if I were to interact with somebody right now who I didn't know, that's how somebody's re- um, interacting with my son, mm-hmm. you know, on the other part of the world. Like I, that's crazy it to just, think about. it is, it mm-hmm. like puts everything in perspective. And I dare say it makes me a little bit kinder probably. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a kind person, I think, mm-hmm. but it really puts it in perspective so that I would never want to mistreat anyone or objectify them or see them as an obstacle, but rather truly like they could be the person that's on the other side of the planet from their home. Mm -hmm. We we don't know. Totally. Anyway, I think that one more thought, I feel like this needs to be said is anyone myself, I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't want to sound like I'm dropping the hammer, but I feel like it needs to be said. Um, Anyone who is in our sphere of influence, it is 100% our responsibility how we interact with that person. And I don't mean that like, oh, be kind, don't be mean. I'm saying if someone is put in our path and we choose to objectify or to isolate or to completely ignore that human being, Mm. we are 100% complacent we're responsible Mm. there's no like oh 
they shouldn't have to worry about that or, oh, that person, that is all a bunch of crap, if Mm. you ask me. I love that. Regardless of how people show up in our spheres, we are 1,000% responsible for how we show up. And to disregard another human being for any reason is like literally one of the most horrible things you can do to another human being. And it is not okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to throw this out there. As a child, as a mother of a child who is oftentimes not included, because he is sometimes hard to understand, if your kid's having a birthday party and you look at the list and notice it's everyone but two kids, it's my opinion that as a parent, you absolutely should help your child understand why those two children should be included. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Because I've heard that a lot. Like, oh, well, it's just not, you know, it's hard and it's tricky. And it's really not. It's really not hard or tricky. It's about treating people with decency. And you have to understand that people on the fringe, sometimes they develop because of how society treats them, this underlying expectation that the best that they can ever hope for is to be tolerated by people. And what a horrible, horrible expectation to have not just for yourself but for all the people around you right we can do better way better we all deserve to be loved and not just tolerated and that's something we have to teach in our homes that is something we have to deal with on on a case-by-case basis and coach ourselves and our children through otherwise what are we doing because I'll tell you what no matter what my son learns at school those interactions impact his life more than anything else that ha- is ever going to happen at school. Of course. Or at home, you mean? They're no. going to have like gonna any have more. Calculus? Like, maybe. How people treat him oh, and how oh, he treats people yes. is going to determine the course of yeah, his life. I Everything else, I won't say it's irrelevant because it's not, but mm-hmm. it is definitely secondary. And I was thinking that you were comparing school to home, but you're saying mm-hmm. even in the school experience, mm-hmm. it's those interactions and the way he's being treated compared to anything else. Well, and the way he treats other people too. This isn't yeah, just one sided. That's that's he true. absolutely has a responsibility to, to treat and approach people in the same way, right? If, if our kids can't learn that, I promise you that no sport or elite anything or anything they excel at is going to make any bit of difference. Mm. Not, nothing else matters if we don't get this one thing correct. Mm. And it's not like a one-sided problem. Right. We all need to work on this together. This is so good to be thinking about. And I'm sitting here thinking this is an opportunity. This is exciting for us to not, this is where we want to frame it and make sure we're not going, crap, do I suck as a human? <laughs> Wait, are my children like the but what if worst? we like all a little bit suck and all a little bit are awesome? <laughs> yes. Right? That's like true. that's the truth of it. That it's is like, Oh my goodness, a developing youth was mean to another developing youth? Uh, yeah. yeah. How do you think they learn? How do you think we all learn to do mm. better? By making mistakes. And that's what I mean about being emotionally resilient. It's rather than your kid coming home and being, you know, something happening and automatically going into like, but, 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 but this is that. It's okay to be like, oh, wow, we need to talk about this. Yeah. Have you seen me do this? Maybe I need to do better. Hmm. Like, guys, that's not like giving up your identity. That's like... That's like becoming an exceptional human being is when we're all like, Mm. hey, remember that time we were all kind of crappy and also kind of awesome all together because we're learning and growing? Isn't that kind of the point? Isn't that what unifies humanity? 
And the first, and the first step of it is that acknowledgement. That's why I'm valuing this conversation and the fact that you felt inspired to bring it up because where we're all sitting now is in a place of just awareness. Let's Mm -hmm. be a little bit more aware. Maybe that's just a good place to start. Let's be a little bit more aware of how we see people, how we view them, Mm -hmm. how we feel about them and recognize, are we objectifying? Which I'm telling you, like you'll feel better. You'll feel more in depth about this. If you read that book, read the book, you guys, and all of these books (laughs) are on audible too. So if you're not like, gosh, listen to it the way you'd listen to this podcast. Outward mindset is pretty much incredible. And I had totally, I don't know why I didn't bring that book up. That book probably is what spurred my mind in this whole conversation early summer. It's had a But you guys, all the things we cannot control, which is basically everything, this is something we can control and actually will fundamentally change our families, change our towns, change our schools, and change the world. Like for real. That sounds dramatic, but reels. Friends, thank you for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you to write down those promptings and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on and we look forward to being with you next time. Bye-bye. Bye guys. Bye.